In this edition of the podcast, Astronomy, Astrology and the Islamic Arts and Sciences. Shireen Tawil has undertaken an arts residency at Sydney's Powerhouse Museum, researching, designing and creating works that cross the boundaries of space, time, culture and belief. Shireen discusses with curator Professor Pedram Kosronajad the challenges and satisfaction derived from not only investigating the power underlying the construction and discoveries of science, but also the power of connecting science, art and culture. I'm Tim Stackpool, and this is Inside the Gallery. Thanks for downloading the podcast once again as we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this podcast is produced and downloaded, and we pay our respects to First Nations people around the world, whether they be past, present or emerging. And a reminder too that a transcript of this edition is available in the episode's description at www.insidethegallery.com.au, made possible by the Australian Arts Channel, available to view for free at www.australianartschannel.com.au. Shireen Tawil is a multimedia installation artist whose work broaches issues of the construction of cultural heritage, knowledge and identity through language and the constantly shifting public space of the social, political and religious identities. Her artistic practice draws from her personal experience of being Lebanese-Australian, living between cultures, and how the physical spaces within her community reflect a complex cultural landscape of transformation expressed through hybridity and plurity. She's just completed a residency with the Museum of Applied Arts and Sciences in Sydney at the Powerhouse Campus, where, as it happens, good friend of this podcast, Professor Pedram Kosronajad, oversees the collection of Persian arts. Pedram currently is an adjunct professor in the Religion and Society Research Cluster at Western Sydney University and fellow of the Department of Anthropology at Harvard University, and he's in conversation with the subject of this episode of the podcast, artist Shireen Tawil. Thank you, Tim. Uh, thank you, Shireen, for your time. Yeah, it's really great to have you here in my studio. It's definitely full to the brim at the moment. I'm a Sydney-based artist, and I was really interested to get involved with this residency that was originally posed to be at the Sydney Observatory, which is also part of the Powerhouse Museum here, um, to undertake a three-month residency with the observatory and the observatory's collection, um, investigating this uh, legacy of celestial navigation and its connections to migration. My parents migrated from Lebanon um, at separate times. So my father came here as a child. My mother came here um, during the Civil War when she married my father. So migration has definitely been a huge impact yeah it's formed our lives incredibly Mm. and so this idea of settling here in sydney and western sydney originally and finding a sense of home and belonging has i think very much shaped how i consider myself as an artist Um, my cultural practice is really reflected in those experiences where i almost try and find this like exchange in my work that encompasses a cultural environment that speaks about plurality. At the end of the day, there's so many factors and cultural discourses that inform my research and my work that it almost creates this new or distinctly different 
work, whether it be an installation or an object, but it has like quite a lot of cross-cultural references that come to it. But I feel like that really reflects how I live my life today, very much between cultures. I would like to know the influence or impact of two different cultural topics. First, the Arab culture, mm. and second, the Islam. Well, I think when I think of the Arab culture and its influence, it's really very much through language, like language. And then that does cross into Islam and the Islamic um, faith I've grown up with that connects back to language because so much of the Quran is so significant in like my understanding of faith and that is originally in the language of Arabic. So they are always intersecting regardless. But then of course, um, coming from the Middle East, like particularly Lebanon, very distinct part of the Arab world. And one that I feel like is very much a melting pot of a lot of ethnicities and histories and legacies. But this is also across the region, so I love that. Like, you can go quite micro and then macro, and there's all these connections and histories that overlap. And then particularly with Islam, I mean, the faith has shaped my practice in a way because I just see this incredible richness and visual language to dive into that I'm always still, like, learning and discovering and and kind of unpacking like through the sciences, through architecture, through design, through the arts. There's like millennia of incredible references that I am literally always like finding my feet through to bring into a contemporary discourse because I think there is a lot of my own sense of place and references to understanding my environments, to understanding the world I live in today that do connect back to the Islamic arts and, and architecture and the, the lineages of migration throughout that and cultural exchange. I can really relate to that and I find that a really incredible uh, visual language to enfold. And that comes into the use of copper. Copper is my, very much my material. It's become something that I've, I'm becoming more of an expertise in, even though I learned very much through experimenting in my studio. But this material, you know, its early technology comes from the region for across Jordan and Al-Sham. And it has incredible strong roots within the Islamic arts practices and cultural practices and the sciences. So I feel like the research and knowledge just in the materiality of coppersmithing and and my sculptural installation work, like really they just speak to each other so beautifully. Do you consider yourself a Muslim artist? Uh, well, it's, it's funny, I consider myself for sure an artist. And I think an artist like, term even can be like something like, well, what is an artist? But this Islamic lens I have is very formative and important in my work. It's always there because it's like directly referencing my experiences and, and my environments and and also the resources that I lean into as I find quite enriching. But then maybe like there's a part of me that pushes into that more because I grew up in an environment that was incredibly hostile towards Islamic culture when I was young. And now that I've become an adult that I am and the arts is very much my world and it's my language. I just feel like there's so much to celebrate and also unpack within these discourses of Islamic art. So I think it's partly also a passion that I want to kind of bring forward in an Australian arts environment that I felt like had been quite suppressed in my early formative years. With such a Islamic heritage, family, art, work, minding, 
May I ask, what's the reflection of the gallerists, gallery directors and mm. media, when for the first time you want to reach them and or when you send your uh, portfolio to them, what is their reaction? Is it something exotic, attractive for them mm. or block them or never reply as soon as they <laughs> understand you're from Arab world, Muslim culture, your art influenced by Islamic art? and. Oh, that's a really interesting question. I mean, it's funny, I haven't really reflected on those experiences in a way, like when I think about my early studies, which were actually in Tasmania, and I, I didn't really feel like there was a broader Islamic community I connected with at first. And my art practice, in a way, I guess, kind of was quite foreign in the university system in Hobart. But I was really supported by my professors. They saw my conviction to experiment in this material copper and the ideas I was bringing to it and I guess I was considering what structure is and this idea of fluid infrastructure that relates to cultural exchange. They, I think they were really supportive around that but I guess in a way people or like curators or say professors in that environment would tiptoe around the Islamic discourse because I feel like they didn't feel like that was their expertise of knowledge or how they knew how to talk about it. But I mean, over the years, I've been able to work with incredible curators like yourself, with Noor Shakambi, who's also an incredible scholar and a prolific curator around artists that work within the Islamic world and other artists that do have an Islamic background in their practice or bring those conversations in. So I've had to kind of like find my connections to kind of feel like there's a discourse in my practice but yeah I mean I think the broader Australian arts community has welcomed my work like I don't feel like I've been rejected or unwelcome but then there's definitely maybe that space of um, not too like there's not like a, an overly understanding sometimes of what I'm doing or Sometimes people more focus on the craft side of the work, and I guess that's quite evident in like the what you see when you experience the art. And if that's what they can relate to, that's wonderful. But I guess there's a lot of layers to the work, and it depends what gallerists or curators affiliate with, or what the artwork speaks in a broader context that they're curating. But I've I've relatively felt quite included. You mentioned that you inspired always by the culture of the Middle East and especially the Blad al-Sham regarding the usage of copper, which is very ancient, but very flexible material for craftsmen of the world of Islam. Tell me about your work when you really felt that copper is your material and how you follow and develop your work uh, based mm. on copper. So the material I feel like it suits my like type of practice particularly that I, I really love it how over time, very slowly, the artwork unfolds and transforms and the material allows me to work with my hands in every stage of the process. So I love this long transformation it gives in the studio and by building it little by little, I kind of move towards this uh, really significant body of work and I find that like quite reflective to almost my own lived journey. Like I feel like one's experiences of cultural exchange is quite transformative. So with my own um, slow understandings of this material copper and experimenting with the material, I'm kind of finding my own transformation in that. 
But over the years, I've learnt the skills, certain skills like engraving, and that's been a, a particularly important way that I mark make my surfaces. And I went on a fellowship through the Parramatta Fellowship Creative Fund to Gaziantep in Turkey to learn this engraving practice that they've been practicing for millennia. And the master coppersmiths there and engravers um, invited me into their studios and taught me this really incredible mark-making process of engraving on their sheet copper. And for me, that's been incredibly informative to have this like, cultural understanding of the region and practice of coppersmithing and the many guilds and studio processes that so one object is worked on many hands that goes through very different studio processes across the master workers, whether that be the, the turners who like shape the object to the engravers, to the silver inlayers, to the tinsmiths. Um, there's many stages and I loved that insight to understanding how these very sophisticated objects have been made over time. And then I bring that into my studio where I work with my own two hands and I experiment and trial these processes to fit my concepts and to fit the research that I'm looking at. But yeah, it's incredible when I can go and access objects and collections and use that as a form of research to inform my work. But also just for catalogues in books are really wonderful resources in the Islamic arts. But yeah, a lot of work can also be informed very locally. So I look at a lot of local architecture or objects that are involved in cultural practices and then they transform and change into becoming something of their own that have all these multitude of references involved in the work but at the end of the day I have my humble tools very humble hand tools and that allows me to slowly build up these artworks. Since when you were interested to what you are doing now on Islamic uh, science, Islamic astronomy, astrology, and, and related tools and objects like astrolabe. Oh, absolutely. So my work has had this theme and reference to architecture and design and science, and those forms of research have always been involved. But particularly in astronomy, I wanted to further investigate this stream of like science in my work because... I kind of wanted to see where we've come from through migration, through moving across land and sea. And celestial navigation has been incredibly like informative in that. And of course, the Islamic sciences and these objects and instruments like the astrolabe are very key to those technologies and our understandings of the universe. But I guess with my sense of place now and thinking of where we're going, I wanted to create this like lineage historically of how the technologies and science have evolved particularly through Islamic um, sciences of astronomy but then where are they going into the future so this residency has been really incredible to also engage with the powerhouses collection of celestial navigational instruments because I feel like they've bridged my understanding to the Islamic collections that you'd see in museums that are mainly overseas but a lot of these tools in the powerhouse collection have developed from Islamic science. So later on into like the 17, 1800s, 1900s, um, the objects in the powerhouse collection, I feel like have this really direct lineage to the um, instruments that I'm interested in from Islamic arts and sciences. So that's been really wonderful to connect to, I guess, um, the Western instruments here 
and then bridge my research and understanding of Islamic scientific instruments in astronomy. And then it's like allowed me also to be quite creative in my studio and speculate and create not hybrid instruments, but ones that kind of fuse those sciences together, but then also speculate to where um, our use of astronomy is going into the future. And that's kind of allowed me to think more atmospherically and environmentally, like what cultures and environments of living would it look like to live in space and that's led me into thinking about what architecture would develop in space so the studio residency has been really fruitful like I feel like I've been able to join a lot of dots but then also be quite creative in my own speculation and, and very much weaving back this cultural narrative within astronomy and that's what I love about the Islamic sciences they cross over not just culture and faith and spirit and science and mathematics, but they're just so encompassing of like our lived experience. Well, I feel like the Western sciences have really like um, moved them apart. And I think as an artist, that's what I'm really interested in, like where the cultural practices was in those sciences that actually relate to us in the everyday. And that's kind of led me to thinking about future technologies, but also environments in space that we'd live in and those cultural practices that can be encountered while in space. Something that majority of uh, maybe our audiences, uh, they don't know, is that Islamic calendar is based on lunar calendar mm-hmm. and the movement of uh, the moon. And there are many elements connected, you know, uh, let's say, occasions or ceremonial activities of the Muslims all around the world based on the movement of sun and the moon. And, um, for example, um, beyond the normal Islamic calendar, you know, the choice of five days praying time, the Salat Mm -hmm. is based on uh, celestial knowledge, and uh, Ramadan, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and the other Eid, Eid al-Fitr, and, Mm -hmm. you know, the others are based on uh, celestial knowledge, which re- require these Islamic tools and astronomy and a strong practice of astronomy and astronomers in land of Islam, which is interestingly connected to the regions that you again said, the Balad al-Sham, Turkey, Persia, uh, India, even there. Oh, yeah, and I see here in your studio many astrolabes from different parts of the world uh, that you are inspiring for your artwork here, which is amazing. The tools and instruments of Islamic astronomy, they are small objects. Mm. But you are transferring them to your artwork, which is big and hybrid. Mm. And I did see in your previous works that your art, in your artworks, you create light, mm. space, shadow, and regarding space, your objects are very hybrid. Emptiness is thing oh, yeah, in your way. work, is not empty, is, no. is a volume. And therefore, your artworks, they are in constant dialogue with space. Mm. And this brings me to architecture of the galleries, where you presented and want to present your installations. Tell me a little bit about the challenge of your artworks and space of gallery and gallerists. Oh, I mean, the space around the artworks is very, and light particularly is very much a material in the installation. 
It's interesting you go back to these um, instruments with the astrolabes and these devices across like Islamic sciences and astronomy. They're very much connected to the body. And I think for me, the body also is very key in the space and these installations, all artworks I make, I think they're always related directly to the individual or collective. They're embodied objects. Yeah. Without, without humans, those objects, yeah. they cannot, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing with my installations and thinking about architecture and, and how we bring the culture to those sites. We bring the rituals and we bring ceremonies and we bring the experiences that are inhabited in those infrastructures and spaces. And with my artworks... I mean, a lot of them do touch on the sacred and sacred space is so key. Like what, without this play of light and this sense of transcendence, what would sacred space be? So this is something that I think about a lot and to translate in the gallery can be quite tricky sometimes and it involves a lot of negotiation with the gallerist and the Tell me about those challenges. I really yeah, would like to. And the sensitivity to light and this is something, because I, I think creating this sense of um, atmosphere and environment is so loaded and important with the installations I want to bring to an experience with visitors in the audience. So, yeah, the negotiation period does often take a lot of time and a lot of give and take. And um, I must admit I've felt like the most empowered at times to install my artworks when it's been my own agency and I've been given like a carte blanche in the space to do whatever I want and it's been really incredible to like sit in the space and slowly install and slowly consider all these really key sensitive aspects to the installations that I've made but um yeah like it's a it's a whole thing like whether the context of the work is in a direct museum or if it's in Um, an artist-run space, you know, there's, there's all these variables and the, the most recent installation I made, which is called Shoe Bathers, was very much considering the environment and like the, sen the senses of the hammam and that experience and there's this, this sense of cleansing and what cleansing means on many levels, but the whole space had very particular lighting because I feel like that was really key to embody like this atmosphere. See, that really has a mood that has also maybe a mystery that I, I think art can be really powerful when it opens up an experience to an audience member that they didn't expect and they're in this situation where they um, are actually fully immersed in an artwork in that way. So do you feel in Generally speaking, but especially the case of artists and artworks like you, we need a specific external curator that oh. knows the culture, your work and art. And art director yeah. should stay art director, working on marketing <laughs> uh, aspect oh, of the so work. there's so many roles, isn't there? Yeah, days? but yeah. I, what do you think? Do you think yeah. uh, the role of external curators can help the artists like oh, a, totally. for installation yeah. and contextualization of the art and artist. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can't underestimate the specialty that an independent curator can bring to the institution for a particular show. Oh my goodness. It would look so different in a, in um, curated by just even any other curator, let alone. So it, it's really interesting, especially when that independent curator has had like a long discourse or relationship with those artists they're working with. I think they really then have this understanding of the work and like the most optimum 
um, platform or like setting for the artworks. Yeah, I think it's it's partly like having that relationship with the artwork and the artists too, like to really understand and have that dialogue because it's interesting because these works are quite cultural and there's a lot of context that if they can be mis if they are misrepresented, they kind of lose a lot of the power of the work. So it's it's quite sensitive. Like it needs to have a lot of conversation between the artists for sure. Um, if not, yeah, the whole experience changes and the power of the artwork may not be best represented. Definitely. Yeah. Shirin, uh, tell us a little bit about your project at the moment in your studio, what we are seeing, because I see the samples of beautiful quadrant and sky, star, astrolabes. Tell us about your project at the moment, what you see in the studio. Yes. And what's the next step? Are you preparing an exhibition, uh, a show, and do you have any gallery in your mind where you want to mm -hmm. present them uh, searching for the galleries or no please oh. let us know about this well you see the works that i'm developing from this residency operate in a few different directions and i think that's been really exciting and and it's actually allowed me to be more strategic in all the research and the material I've gathered over the three months here at the Powerhouse and the Sydney Observatory. So initially I thought, okay, um, I'm going to be looking and researching a lot of objects and engaging with the collection and, you know, um, consuming a lot of information. Like I, the amount I've learnt, let alone the um, objects I've really um, investigated and thought about and sculpted with marquettes. I wanted to map everything that I'm looking at onto my papers. So I do a lot of drawing in my practice and that informs like the details of the sculptures and the installations, like how the copper is responded with my medium of kind of embellishing the material. But I wanted to map that up on a 10 meter roll of paper. So over the residency, I've been drawing and drawing um, my research material. It's kind of created this own sky mapping of instruments and star um, charts that are drawn across different collection objects at the powerhouse and Islamic um, devices of the astrolabes, but then also like a lot of quadrants and um, even the sextants from the powerhouse collection are quite prominent in the work and different charts of um, cosmological equations. So it's all really come into this. There's a mix of like many charts and even calculations and equations and instruments. But that's also been a really great kind of like a mind map of what I'm looking at to then experiment on my sheet copper through making a series of prints. And so I wanted to translate my mark making with engraving on copper into printmaking. And I think there's this beautiful synergy with the material of engraving that crosses back into the Islamic instruments and devices from astronomy. They're all mostly embellished for engraving mark making, um, whether that be the meticulous uh, scales that are on there or the actual decorative features that work with the instruments. So I think that's really exciting terrain that I'm going to soon explore. But there's also the sculptural works that have come out of my studio. And I'm interested in this idea of an installation that um, unpacks these qualities of sacred architecture and space, but to speculate and put that forward into what this sacred architecture will look like um, in space or on a planet other than Earth. And their works that very much still in development 
but there's um, it's really exciting to to have them informed by all this research um, and the, the questions I have and the cultural practices I want to further investigate to think about what they will evolve into if they um, had the um, opportunity to actually be involved in the space industry that is more increasingly privatised, but I don't feel it's quite representative to these sciences that have informed where um, the industry is today. And in terms of an exhibition, there's so much work in development and I'm going to undertake a residency at Vermont for four weeks where I'll be printmaking in their studios every day to develop a really nice body of work and series. But um, I think it's really interesting because this has kind of happened over the last three months and it's almost taken a while for curators to catch up where I am and what I'm doing and where the research is going. So maybe by the time I get back from Vermont and, and curators and gallerists can see a, a body of work that it has come out of that, it would help them also join the dots where I'm going with my work or whatnot. But it's been really wonderful. Like it's, it's given me so many incredible ideas and I've been really inspired and, and quite passionate to, to weave all these um, questions I have around the research. Thank you, Shireen, uh, for your time and joining our podcast. And thank you, team, for inviting us and hosting this yeah, curatorial artist talk again. Oh, it's been wonderful. Thank you. That's Shireen Tawil there, speaking with Professor Pedram Kosronajad about her work and her recent residency with the Powerhouse Museum. It's very striking work. And if you want to take a look at more of Shireen's work, just head to her website. Now, that's shireentawil.com. I could spell it out, but to be honest, it's easier just to go to the description of this episode at our podcast website, www.insidethegallery.com.au, where you'll also find links to our Facebook and Instagram pages and a place there where you can sign up to our email list, which we only use to inform you of when a new episode has been released. That is the podcast for now. Thanks for all your support and for listening once again. Until our next edition, I'm Tim Stackpole. Bye-bye for now.